welcome. You're listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. We're a team of five badass women who will be your sommeliers to the marketing world. We work and whiteboard together at our nine to five every day in B2B marketing. We're a small, scrappy team that's picked up a few secret hacks along the way, and we want to share our crazy ideas with you. Let's call it an anything but ordinary guide to marketing and design. From Chardonnay to Rosé, we've got your marketing sips and design tips. Now that's worth raising a glass to, so grab your favorite vino and join us. Welcome back to another episode of Wine and Whiteboards. Today we are talking about client gifting. Client gifting is something that always sounds like fun, and we all like to receive gifts. So it's perceived as, as something that should probably be easy. But nope. Sure, everyone likes to give something in exchange for putting a smile on someone else's face, making someone else happy. However, if this is something that frequently falls on you at your company or in your role, you probably are with us in understanding that it is not always sunshine and rainbows. It's a lot harder than it looks, actually. So let's face it, not everyone is a great gift giver, and that's okay because we have some tips and tricks to help even the worst gifters feel as confident as Santa. Hope you appreciate that festive tidbit. So now let's dive into our sips of the day and we'll all share what we're drinking today. This is Charlotte and I am drinking social sparkling wine and it's the elderflower apple flavor. I think I've had this before on the show. It's very crisp and refreshing and it's also only 88 calories. So if you're somebody that's looking for a lean option, it's a good one and it's very, very flavorful. It has the right amount of carbonation. It's actually a very pleasant drink to have and it doesn't taste too juicy, which is nice. This is Kelly and I am drinking a red blend from my wine advent calendar. The wine advent calendar has actually been pretty good so far and I have actually drank every single day now. (laughs) We're on day nine. But each one is a different variety so far, which has been pretty nice. And I've enjoyed all of them, even a Chardonnay, which is kind of impressive. I am impressed with that, Kelly. Like Chardonnays are not my favorite. I know we've talked about this before. So and every day that's impressive. But you're only nine days in. You still have a significant amount of time left. Yeah. And they're they're the little bottle, right? So it's like one glass is, you know, what you have. So during the week, I just pour that one glass and it's okay. But then on the weekend, I usually open another bottle that I then add on to each one of those classes. Kelly, remind me what advent calendar you have again. I don't know that it has like a name brand or whatever, but we found it at Meyer. Yeah. Okay, that's right. But I don't think the wines are necessarily found at Meyer. They just sell this calendar that you probably have to look around for these wines. I missed the boat on getting a wine advent calendar this year. Although part of me is like, well, December's not over, so you could just get it and then drink really quickly to catch up. It's probably a really bad idea. I really wanted the big one from Costco, but they were all out. I swear we went the weekend that they came out and they were all gone. I feel like those are a hot commodity. People like jump on the Costco ones for sure. I think there's a blog post about them somewhere on the internet of anticipating when they're going to come out and all the crazy wine ladies run to Costco. I made my mom go check in Traverse City and they were all out and they were like, we're not getting more. Okay. I went really soon after they came out, after we saw a coworker post on her social that she had gotten that, and she got the beer one. So I went to the one by me, plenty of the beer ones everywhere, no wine ones to be found. So I'm guessing those go like so quick. 
This is Sarah. Today I'm drinking the McBride Sisters Collection Sparkling Brute Rosé from Hawke's Bay, New Zealand. I got it free as a gift for taking a demo, so I'm quite pumped. It tastes good for a free bottle of wine. I was trying to read the story on the back of it to understand because it says that they're Vinters and Sisters, but then it says that they were raised in California and New Zealand. I don't fully understand the story. Katie, did you share your wine already? Not yet. I'm the last one. So today I'm drinking a Pinot Grigio. I've been really feeling these lately. It's called Torricella, and it's pretty good. I'm enjoying it so far. I was just reading on the back because Sarah has inspired me to start actually reading what's on the bottle of my wine. It says that Torricella is a sustainable winery, and they are taking part in preserving the environment. So I support that. And I will probably buy this again. So let's dive into the meat of this episode. Again, we are talking about client gifting, how to create customized gifts for your clients. The first step in gifting is identifying what kind of budget you have to work with. This is so important because I definitely get a little bit, I don't know, I I go a little bit far and I might find something that I can't afford. And then once I realize that it's not in my budget, that's very disappointing. And I feel like I continuously will try to find something that's comparable to that. And then I end up being upset in the end. So definitely set your budget first and then break out the amount of people. Sorry, this is so basic, but identify how many people you have to send for and then find out your gift per person. I feel like a good way to compare this is if you've ever watched Say Yes to the Dress and when they go in and if they don't have a budget in mind and then they go and they find like the most expensive gown and they're like, oh my God, I love this. And then they're like, oh wait, I'm sorry, my budget is $3,000 and this gown costs $27,000 or something like that. So, and then it's always going to be in your mind like that was the best dress ever and you can never go back from that. So you have to know what your budget is before you even start to look at anything because you're going to just get let down. Another thing you can do, though, is have tiers for gifting. I think we've done this in the past. I don't know, Katie, if you've done this. I think it gets a little more complicated. But if you do have clients that either bring in more revenue or for somehow are more deserving of a larger gift, that can help you get those like special fancy gifts for certain people and then kind of have a smaller budget for other clients. I feel like this has come up a few times at the company that we work for. So I think there might be some confusion on if a client is identified as small, medium, or large based on the amount of revenue they bring in, which is not to be confused with the amount of people that work at their office. So if you're sending a gift to one particular person versus sending a gift to the entire office as a whole, those are two different things to consider. Someone might bring in a small to moderate amount of revenue, but could have a large office. So I feel like that's something that we always spin our wheels on when, if you are sending one bottle of wine, but like 20 people work at a headquarters, then that's probably not the best gift. So one year we did those mini cupcakes that were baked by Melissa. And I think those were I can't remember if we actually did them now, but I think about it. We should have done them if we didn't, but they were good because they're like small bite-sized cupcakes and they were good for sharing with a bunch of people. I think that's a really good point, Katie, because one of the things too is 
there's often limits of like what people can accept as a gift. So if you are thinking about it in terms of the whole office, it can help you get around that a little bit and say like, this is a gift for your office. And it might be like a basket of goodies, right? Or something that everybody can enjoy. And it takes away a little bit of that pressure of somebody feeling like they are maybe accepting a gift when they have a policy or something of that nature. Kitty, didn't we not send the cupcakes because we couldn't agree on how many mini cupcakes each person should get? I think this is what you're alluding to. If an office had like 50 people, we couldn't decide if they should get like two mini cupcakes each or three or four. So we didn't Mm -hmm. know how many dozens of cupcakes to send. And then it became too complicated that we just gave up on it. Yeah, I think that was just much overcomplicated. That was way too overcomplicated. I mean, if you send a box of cookies to an office and you're just sending a box of cookies, I don't think you need to try to like divvy up how many cookies each person is going to eat. And I don't know. I like to think about it kind of as like a, if you snooze, you lose kind of thing. Like if you don't get to the kitchen when the cookies are there, then, and they're all gone by the time you get there, then sorry. (laughs) I don't know. Some people might feel differently, but No, I agree with you, Katie, because I think about like gifts that we get as like somebody's client or partner or what have you. And if I don't make it to the kitchen fast enough to get a gift like or like get like a bite or something like then that's on that's on me. I mean, somebody put it out there. It was a nice gesture that they sent to the organization or to the company. (laughs) If I miss out, I miss out. So I agree that I don't think people need to go that in depth in terms of their thought process because you're just going to drive yourself crazy and you're going to have like. Uh, what is it? Paralysis by analysis. And then you're not going to get anything done. Well, and that's a good segue into the next section, which is know your audience. So maybe part of your planning for the gift needs to be, are you sending to one particular contact, like your primary contact as a client, or are you sending to their entire company? Because chances are you can probably afford to get something a lot nicer for that one particular contact than something that you're hoping to serve like an entire office. And building on that, Katie, sometimes you might have a specific demographic that makes up that audience. And that way, when you go to Google it or shop, it can make things a little bit easier to find something that might fit that gender or that age range or something along those lines. I know for us, we have a market that is full of women. However, I I know a few of the organizations have men as their executive directors. So Obviously, we can't have like one gift fit everyone. So if you do have a way of making a gift more gender neutral, that's probably the easiest way to go. But before this episode, I was talking about how I always have a hard time picking out gifts for men. And so I think it makes it a lot more challenging. Yeah, Sarah, I feel like I'm definitely lucky in the aspect of me being a woman and being able to buy gifts for other women that are either like my age or maybe like a few years older than me. But in this community that we've talked about that Sarah's built before, I feel like she has a much wider range of like men, women, ages, what they might appreciate. So buying gifts for her audience is definitely more difficult than it is for myself. Well, and I think there's also the element too of gifting for like a particular role because I think Katie you mentioned or Sarah one of you mentioned executive directors and like gifting for an executive director versus a staff member is probably going to look different so what are you willing to do different for that particular role they're going to value different things most likely even though they might be similar in terms of demographic 
in terms of the what they might appreciate might be different or what they expect might be different. So thinking through that is something that's important to do as well. And feel free to, you know, maybe do some light stalking. You know, it's not necessarily just for exes or for, you know, their new partners or anything like that. So just go ahead and dive into their Instagram or anything like that. Maybe if you can find a Pinterest board that has some ideas of what they might like, that can always help you too. That's a really good point, Kelly, because people do obviously have different likes. You might have people who are a little bit more techie and like those types of gifts, but I think it's important to make sure that those gifts are of quality because last thing you want to do is send someone a junky technology something and it just ends up in the garbage because it breaks or doesn't work or what have you. If you have people who are in finance roles, that can be a little bit more difficult. Maybe take Kelly's advice and go see if they have any online profiles or Pinterest boards that you can go take a look at. Or do they have families or that sort of thing? So it just really depends on who you're looking to target and what they might find interesting. But I think ultimately, if you deliver something of quality that is thoughtful, that's usually going to get you to a good spot. Another thing that... I would recommend doing is actually using your database or your CRM platform for its purpose. You should be recording interest, things about family and things like that in a client's account. I don't think we use ours to its full capacity by any means, but it's definitely something that we should be doing. My dentist office is actually great at this. I swear I've been there two times. They, I don't know, remembered that I was pregnant. Like after I had my baby, they asked me how Stella was doing. They knew all these things. And I was like, wait, I've only been here two times. You remember my husband's name. You remember all these things about my life. And I feel like they must have some plan that's like, oh, review a patient's form or whatever before they come in and make that personal connection because it does mean something. And I appreciate that they do that. It's like from The Office, how Michael Scott writes on the back of all of his little memos about clients, and he'll be like, orange, which means don't bring it up, you know, take away from that. Or like when he talks about Dwight's, and it's like tall beats. <laughs> I was going to say, I actually do this for, for Christmas gifts throughout the year. For your family and friends, I have like a running list on my phone that anytime someone mentions something or something comes up or I learn they like something, I just jot it down so that I can go back and reference it later. So if you do have really awesome account managers who keep track of those kind of details, that can definitely be something that helps you for your future gifting. I started doing that this summer, Sarah. I started documenting things that I heard people mention or talk about. And I was like, I should keep this for Christmas. And have I looked at it since? And now that December is upon us, I have not. But it was the idea of it because it will be helpful if I go back and look at it. It's the thought that counts. Exactly. I agree. I don't want to shame anyone, but have you guys ever gotten a gift that you remember that was not so great from a client or a vendor? I'm laughing because this is the one that came to mind when you asked that question, Katie, and I had to go find it. James got this. It's a glass container with a lid that basically has no purpose. I don't know what you're supposed to do with this. It's like a trinket and it's engraved on the top of it with the company's name and the dates. I think it was some celebratory gift. But what man wants to get this? I'm a woman and I like little glass trinkets. The only thing I can think of is to put like Q-tips or like cotton swabs in here. But then again, it's engraved. Luckily, it's light, so you probably can't even see it. But what are you supposed to do with this? Does anyone know? It's kind of a weird ashtray, maybe. I don't know. Is it like a candy jar? 
Is that what it is? I think it's a candy jar. Very old school on their desk anymore. I don't know. It makes me think of the office yet again, like Pam refilling all of her little candy dispensers and stuff. So if it's on the office, we should probably know that you shouldn't do it. But yeah, no, Sarah, for those who like, obviously you guys can't see what Sarah's holding up, but it's literally a very shallow glass container with a lid that has an engraving on the top that the lid just kind of pops off and it has like a star like formation on the bottom of the glass. It's definitely very old school. I feel like the client gifts that I've gotten that I definitely don't enjoy are swag or cheap things like that. That's not a gift. Like those are things that are just not, what am I supposed to do with it? Is that something you would want to receive? You definitely have to put your, put gifts through that lens when you're shopping. Well, and we all got a gift from our company. So it's not necessarily a client or a vendor gift, but it was around Christmas time. And we were having like this Christmas ish get together. It wasn't necessarily a party or anything. And they're like, oh, we have gifts for everybody. And it was an ornament, like a bulb that you were hanging on a Christmas tree with just this old logo that none of us really like. If the year in that bulb. And so that was not the greatest thing. Also, not everybody has Christmas trees. So you're not even taking that into account when you're giving these out to everybody in the company. Oh, that's true. Do you guys have mismatched Christmas trees with like sentimental ornaments or do you like have a matchy matchy Christmas tree? Sentimental ornaments. I have a little bit of everything. Really? I have a matchy matchy tree. I had a little matchy matchy tree in my apartment, but now that we have a real tree this year, James and I went to Bronner's and went a little crazy and bought a new more sentimental cute ones that we picked out together. Yeah. I don't have like four different kinds of ornaments and like have it like all perfectly matchy matchy, but I feel like I have some kind of color theme and like like green and red don't really go orange and yellow don't really. It's basically like white, pink, blue, silver, gold. Katie basically has the tree from like Rudolph when they're like silver and gold (laughs) snowman when he sings. No, I have like a bunch of sentimental ornaments. So my parents every year for Christmas, we would go to this little shop in Sutton's Bay called the front porch. And we would go there and we would pick out an ornament. And the whole point of it was that way when we were older and we moved out on our own, that we would have X number of ornaments already for a tree. So I have a lot of those. But of course, when you pick out things when you're young, I went through a phase where I wanted glass ornaments. So I have a lot of like glass ornaments, like Christmas trees, stars, all glass. When I was a kid, obviously, I was like, I want to have a perfect tree that's all glass and like blah, blah, blah. Like, but then I have some that are like a soccer player or a volleyball player or a horse, like all these like random cats. I just have a bunch of random ornaments now. Does anyone else put a pickle on their tree? No. What is that? Well, so I don't know if this is right, but when I grew up, you would hide the pickle ornament and then whoever found the pickle ornament, like I think my mom would hide it or something and I don't have any siblings, so I don't know who I was playing this game with. I was probably, I don't know, fake playing with my dad, but whoever found the pickle on Christmas Eve got to open up a present early before Christmas Day. That's cool. We never had a pickle. I had Eskimo ornaments, but no pickles. 
We actually had a pickle, but it wasn't for that purpose. It's because my mom bought a set of vegetable ornaments <laughs> there. So we have like a tomato, an apple, all these beautiful fruit glass ornaments. And there was a pickle in there. So we do have a pickle, but not for that purpose. Well, all right then. Speaking of bad gifts, sorry, the, the <laughs> transition it back there. Charlotte, do you remember those really horrible clocks we were made to make? They were for one of our first clients. This was probably four years ago, maybe. They were like, I think they were glass clocks. And one of our executives really wanted one. And they wanted us to write some message or symbolic meaning behind it. I don't really know. But we probably tied it into the time or the clock somehow. Yes. Like The time is now. I feel like they were like paperweights, basically. Like I can't imagine that any of them exist anymore with those clients on their desks. I could be wrong. Yeah. I'm pretty sure those are probably gone by now, but I think you're right. It definitely had something to do with like time and something. And they were like, let's do clocks. And we were like, clocks? I don't know. Digital these days, right? Like, do you really need a clock? How many people in their office have a little standing analog clock? I don't feel like anybody. So honestly, I can barely even read one of those anymore. It's really bad. (laughs) I have a big one in my living room. So I do read the analog clock often. It's not just decor. It does actually function. When my mom comes over, she likes to point out that mine is wrong. I don't actually look at it, so whatever. <laughs> it's fine. Well, I think it's safe to say, though, when when you're in doubt of what to get somebody, go with food. Because everybody loves a delicious treat, at least majority of people. You're always going to get your people who are like, I don't eat sugar, or I'm a vegan, and all these things. Not that that's bad. It's just... You're going to have far less people who have issues with it. So really all you need to think through is make sure it's something that ships well. I know we were talking about the cupcakes and stuff like that. But if you choose those types of items, make sure that you are not in charge of the shipping and that the actual gift provider is in charge of some of the shipping because they probably have a, a process and a way that they package and things like that to make sure that their goods don't get damaged in transit. And being allergy conscious is always kind of a nice touch and making sure that there maybe is like a no peanut option or dealing with some of the common allergies that are out there now. Yes, definitely. The next section we wanted to touch on was just keeping it simple. Personalization is super, super thoughtful. But in reality, if you are sending mass amounts of gifts, and I mean, I don't know what anyone else would consider a mass, but like, for example, I have to send usually 52 gifts at a certain time of each year. And that might not seem like a lot, but it does add up. And one year we decided to do personalized gifts. You can probably find them on Etsy. Those address stamps where you have your personalized name and you get to pick the font and you have your address and everything like that. And we decided to do those and they were so cute, so thoughtful. I feel like they were very appreciated, but it made gifting an absolute nightmare. It didn't help that our office is not huge, but I remember having 52 boxes lined up against the hall and I had sticky notes with all the clients' names on them. And then someone wanted to move the boxes because they were in the way. And my team was like, I'm pretty sure Katie will kill you if you lose any of those sticky notes. So (laughs) don't touch the boxes. It was just this whole ordeal. It would have been a lot easier if we just did something more generic. And generic doesn't mean unthoughtful. I feel like there's a very tasteful way to do 
generic gifts. Maybe instead of having a personalized name, we could have done a personalized company or organization or something like that. That would have made it like a tad bit easier. I actually think that's a really good point that you bring up, Katie, about the fact that generic doesn't mean that it's less thoughtful. It just means that you're getting something that doesn't have a custom name or a custom something to it, but it's a general item that your audience will appreciate and like and will perceive as thoughtful. But it just means that you can remove some of those more challenging steps that come into the mix when it's completely custom. You just have to pair something thoughtful with it. Maybe you have to put a more thoughtful note with it or you have to find a way to do something generic, but then find a way to personalize it without putting a name on it. Something I just received from someone was a cute little speaker, which had the actual organization's name on it, not my organization's name, but the vendor that sent it to me. But then they did a curated playlist that they had already reached out and asked for some of our favorite songs. And so then they shared a custom note that had the curated playlist with it. And they had it all wrapped up in this really pretty sparkly paper. So it felt like I was actually receiving a gift and it felt thoughtful that they had tried to reach out and get some of everyone's favorite songs to help pump them up and make them like an uplifting moment, which I thought was cute. Well, and something else to add to that too, Sarah, because I know I had mentioned like swag earlier, but this was done in such a tasteful way where their logo wasn't obvious and it wasn't in your face and it was still a very cool speaker for those who cannot see. It has a rubber outside to it, but it has a wood plate for the speaker and it's engraved, like the logo is engraved, but it's very subtle. And so it feels high quality. It feels very personal with the playlist and stuff. So it was still a good option, even though some people would maybe call it swag. It felt quality. Another of my favorite gifts, I think Katie did this, where you have a professional development, like a book that you've read and then a personal note on why you've enjoyed it. I think we did this from one of our other team leaders and actually sent a book that he really enjoyed and he highlighted some of the things that he took away from the book. And if people aren't as much into reading a physical book, you can always do an audible gift card. I'm definitely more into that, but I haven't been commuting as much now. So I know that, you know, kind of getting back into the book reading. I feel like a really cool thing about the example that you just shared, Sarah, regarding like the book with a personal note. When we did that for one of our team leaders, he was new in his role and we were kind of, he was trying to help the audience get to know him. So we actually included a picture of him and his family in the note. And it was kind of like an introductory message about him and like to meet him along with like the book that he is a book that he really liked. Right. And he had read multiple times and we explained why he liked the book and why he thought it was relevant to share with them. And so it was like adding that personal touch. I thought the photo with him and his family was a really good one because it showed that he's a normal human being. Another one of my favorite ones is a journal or a notebook. We're from the Detroit area. So we love Shinola notebooks and Typically, I'll get them customized, but that's because I'm not sending to 52 people like Katie has been. But you can put people's initials on it, which I always think is a cute way to personalize. And you can always add some nice pens or a note or, you know, especially if you're sending it at the beginning of the new year or something about creating goals, you can tie it in. 
It is cool about the Shinola. Like Sarah mentioned, we're in the Detroit area. Doing something that's local to your area is always kind of cool because it doesn't necessarily, it might be an item that people don't necessarily have like access to or something that's kind of different and unique. So if you do have like makers and crafters and things in your specific local area, those can always be really cool gifts while supporting a local business, which is also a good idea. Yeah. That reminds me, the Shinola books, I like. they come in this nice hardcover and they're pretty colors. It's fun getting a nice colored journal and they feel hefty, right? So you feel like you're getting something of quality again. It doesn't feel like a cheapy, gross journal that you would probably chuck in the garbage. Even if you hadn't written anything in years, I feel like you would find a way to use this journal because it's a nice gift. Charlotte and I are both from the northern Michigan region. So another one of my favorite things is to send cherry republic gifts because traverse city is like the cherry capital of the world so that's something special from like our hometown that we like to share with others and they always have cute little gift tins and cookies and little pancake mix and all kinds of comey things you can send out to people to make them feel good and sometimes they come in these cute little tins and stuff that represent the region i get excited about that they have super cute gifts like they're definitely a go-to for sure they're good for family members, too, if anyone's looking for anything. That's a good one. If anyone's still, well, I mean, it's the ninth. So, yes, people are definitely still gifts. Cheryl's cookies are always good, too, which that's not necessarily a Michigan company. But I enjoy them because it's like they're individually wrapped. So it's like whenever they go anywhere, it's like you don't have to worry about cross-contamination if you're allergic to anything. And I know that they have a really good list of, you know, being gluten-free or peanut-free or anything like that. Yeah, Charlotte just had one, didn't you? It was yeah. yummy. I got it from a vendor who sent it in this cute clear package, and they had customized the cookie. They kind of have, like, what are they called? Are they like a Bitmoji? I feel yeah. like she has her own Bitmoji, so she put that on the cookie, which I feel like helped personalize it for her, and is kind of like a representation of her own brand. And then she sent out like a tasteful note afterwards that was like, you should have received this. It's just a little token of my appreciation. I thought it was a nice touch, especially if you can't do something large, but you want to let people know that you're thinking about them. And it goes back to Charlotte's point of where like maybe it's not necessarily it's generic, but you're adding in that personal touch, right? Where she sent that follow-up note there. So I think that was really nice to at least like you're sending it out to a bunch of people, but then you're also following it up with that nice touch. I definitely agree. One of the things we did too, which was before COVID, we did luggage tags because we know like in our industry in particular, people tend to be traveling a lot for a lot of different reasons. Probably not great right now during COVID, but the idea was that it was something that they would be using on a regular basis and because they are constantly on the go. So definitely thinking about the lifestyle of the people that you're gifting to and what are the things that they're doing in their regular life, maybe as it pertains to their work or to their to their personal life, if you have that type of relationship with them. One of the most useful things I found, we did this a long time ago, but it was these cool travel cord roll-up wraps. We did customize them. They're, I think, it, what is it? I was thinking of David and Graham or something like that. I forget the eggs. Mark and Graham. There's like a company that does this. And they have nice, that's like the pears. That's, that's food. I think it's something else similar. Anyways, they have these cool wraps that when you can and do travel again, allow you to properly store all your cords. Because I don't know about you guys, but right now on my desk, I have like this pile of cords for all of my headphones. And obviously I'm going nowhere right now, so it's fine. But eventually... <laughs> 
I need something to put them in and to keep them sorted. I literally was clearing out some of my stuff recently and I was looking through my backpack that I used to take to LA when we went in February and I literally pulled out a clump of headphones because I needed headphones that would fit the airplane uh, screens. I needed one that would cover the my AirPods. I needed a few because I needed a phone charger. I needed a bunch of adapters like because you just never know when you're traveling and like you find things. So it was it was a mess. I literally pulled it out and it was just a big wad of cords. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. Another yummy food one is the box of the caramels. Do you remember these, Charlotte? I think we got these back from our old CMO. They were really tasty. It's called like good caramel, like good karma, um, like K-A-R-M-A-L. And they are some of the tastiest caramels I've ever had. I normally don't like caramels because I feel like they're the ones that normally get stuck in your teeth and they hurt your jaw because you have to chew. But these are like soft and buttery and they melt in your mouth and they come in flavors like salted caramel and chocolate something. And they have cute little sayings like inspirational quotes on the inside, which I feel like everyone needs some more positivity in their life right now. So you never know what that little thing could do for someone. I totally agree, Sarah. Those were the most delicious caramels I've ever had. And I think the company was based in Montana. It was like a small, like, I don't feel like it was a really big operation. So if you do get these, you might be supporting a smaller business as well. But yeah, I remember looking and I was like, oh, like based in Montana. It was very strange, but like they were absolutely delicious. Just as Sarah was going through the flavors again that they had, my mouth is like salivating because they were so good. Those caramels were amazing. They have really cute packaging too. They change it out seasonally, but you can get them in cute boxes of different sizes and they'll have different sayings on them. So again, they're kind of customized, but not to the level that you could mix up who you're sending it to (laughs) kind of thing. Agreed. And it is always a nice touch, like when you can support local or smaller businesses or even a business where they give back when you make a purchase. So that way you can feel good about not only giving a gift, but also giving back. I know as of right now for our holiday gift that we're doing is we are making a donation in honor of our clients because this is kind of a year of like giving and a year of causes where people really need a lot of support and help. So we're taking the approach of planting a tree or donating to a food bank or an animal shelter or whatever it is that's important to you and your organization and even your clients, something that they would feel good about, you know, having a gift in their honor too. So that's also another route you can take that is along the lines of feel good and helping others and like the giving season. So that's always an option. So regardless of whether you go with a donation style gift or tangible physical products, I think it's really important to constantly be asking yourself as you're going through and selecting, like, is this something you would want? Put yourself in the client's shoes. Think about the process of them opening it and seeing the gift. And is it something that will excite them? Is it something that they'll just be like, oh, cool, and put on their desk and then throw away a few months later? really put yourself in their shoes and say, is this something that is valuable and something that they're going to appreciate? And I know I mentioned it earlier, but swag is not a gift. I feel like this is a super common misconception because a lot of times people just don't want junk with your company name and logo all over it. Even if you have good swag, it doesn't, 
it's still not a gift. I don't think we would ever take any of our swag items that we give away at conferences and trade shows and things of that nature. I don't think we would ever package those and call them a gift. It just isn't something that we would do because it doesn't make sense. Because again, swag is, what is it, stuff we all get. And if everybody gets it, then it's not special. So you need to pick something that's special. And swag is something that you give out for brand awareness, whereas a gift is something that you are giving in a somewhat selective way, and you're not expecting anything in return. A lot of times swag is used as a sales tool to get conversations going or something of that nature, where a gift does not do that. I will say we have done, I don't know if we've done this for client gifts, but probably more for like trade shows and stuff. But if you do find a cute or different coffee mug and you have some kind of inspirational message on it. So as long as you're not plastering your logo all over swag, I feel like you could still potentially give it as a gift. You just have to kind of tie it into what you're doing and you still need to make it thoughtful. Potentially you do a cute coffee mug and then freshly ground coffee or local tea or something like that, right? To make it a full on gift that feels more personal than just like, here's a white coffee mugs with our logo slapped on them. They're like the ugliest thing ever. I hate them and I would never give that to someone as a gift. But if if it had had a cute saying on it or a cute design, I'd be like, all right, we can do this. So Katie did that with a gift, I want to say like two years ago, where you did get coffee mugs, but they were like a really beautiful design and they had a quote on it that was very relevant for the entire market of all the people that were receiving the gift. And it was done in such a tasteful way and it was tied in with like a few other gifts. So it wasn't the only thing they were getting. Um, And I feel like that was a very good gift because it wasn't just like a coffee mug with a logo slapped on it. It was something that was more thoughtful and special than that. Yeah, it was relevant to the audience that we were gifting to. And it was paired with that personalized gift that I had mentioned earlier, the address stamp, as well as we did a leather pad folio. So it was a bunch of really nice stuff that was all paired together. And I think it was very much appreciated. It was something that I still use. I know that I love it. And we got a lot of compliments on it. So that was something that went over super, super well. It always makes it nice when something looks really pretty, right? Personalization, Katie. I feel like we learned that we should really outsource things if possible. This year was the first year that we technically we sent swag boxes for a conference and we're actually sending some, I think, client gifts that we're going to use the same company for. But you have to find ways to work smarter and not harder. And there's a million companies out there that can help you create a customizable or personalized box and they can actually do some of the shipping and the packing and all that work for you. You probably have to have an idea of what you're going for and again, have a budget, but they can do the heavy lifting. So you don't have sticky notes flying off of packages in the hallway and then you don't know who they end up or they're supposed to go to. Yes, I had a great experience with curated mass. I So this was um, not in 2020, but 2019. I absolutely loved them. I loved working with them. I did try to look up their website before this episode, and I don't know if they're doing the personalized gift boxes anymore. It seems like it more wholesale. That might still be something that they offer if you message them, though. Sarah, I see you shaking your head. You don't think they do it anymore? 
I don't think so. I was trying to Google it too, Katie, because I've actually ordered gifts for friends from them before because they're so cute. They were packaged in these little wooden boxes and tied with bows. And I think they did personalized notes and stuff. So I think it comes up as ardent goods now. It's more of like a boutique site, but it looks like you order individual items. And I don't know if they package boxes. Well, if they listen to this episode, (laughs) we would like them to start doing this again. I really appreciated working with them because I still did get to customize things. They were willing to work with our branding. So even though the items weren't co-branded, which we talked about, like that's not always what you're looking for in a gift, they were able to do our color ribbon that we wanted, provide a personalized note. I think they put our logo even on the note so that the people knew who it was from. And although I have to order mostly for women, we have one male in the industry that we order for, and they let me do 51 women's gifts and then one separate box for the male of the group. So they were super, super flexible. And I I just absolutely loved working with them. They were so nice. I want to say her name was Christina. I could be wrong though. So after we said all these wonderful, amazing things about this company, if you are unable to use them, we are very sorry (laughs) that's the case. Or maybe if you're listening and it doesn't exist, that could be a business idea for you to start. We don't need another side hustle, so that's why we're not going to start something like this. Also, that takes into account of all the things that go into gifting and doing this. We don't even want to start thinking about doing Yes. So there are other companies like them, though. So before you go, I feel like what I learned when I talked about my whole mess of having the hallways filled with boxes was that always try to Google something first before you attempt it on your own, because there's probably someone who's thought of that and will make your life one hell of a lot easier. It's important to remember that it's not just picking the item either, right? It's like collecting the addresses, assembling the boxes, adding the personalized note, creating the shipping label, getting all of the items in the box to match the shipping label if something is personalized and getting it out the door. For some reason, getting things out the door is the hardest part for me. I don't know. I've had gifts I was supposed to have sent people for a long time and seemed to never get them in the mail, which doesn't really count. So Just remember that obviously it can cost money to get a company that can do the gifting for you, but it also can save you time in the end. And sometimes they're way more efficient than you are. And they remember the little things. Like Katie, when you were creating those gifts, didn't you have a moment where we may have forgotten to put a note in there to tell us who the gift was from? Oh, yep. Boxes were all lined up, packed. Well, I hadn't taken them shut yet. But I had all the items in there, made all the stuffing, which was a whole other pain in the butt. Reminder, when you are sending glass items and you have multiple items in a box together, you have to have a box that fits tightly and you can't just throw things in there. So I had to get all of that packing paper to make sure things weren't moving around. Oh my goodness. So all that was done. And then I had a moment of like, oh my God. No one's going to know who this gift is from unless they read the return address on the label and what kind of person takes the time to do that. Like, no one's going to know who this gift is from. So I'm pretty sure I ended up, like, throwing a pack of gum, like, with our company on it because at that point, I was over it. Everyone that was helping me do this, which I was thankful to have people helping me, but they were over it, too. So I was like, well, screw it. We'll just put this pack of gum in here. All these nice things. Oh, and here's a pack of gum to tell you who this is from. 
I feel like Paige so annoyed with these boxes and I feel like she was done. She was like, I am so over it. Like you two were on the ground crawling around putting things in these boxes. We were so, we were so done. And we even went to UPS to try to find boxes that fit all of our items nicely. But because of the pad folio being larger than the other items. So we had the pad folio, the coffee mug, and then the stamp. We had to get a specific size box which was the pad folio was just a little bit bigger than a size that would have been perfect. But we ended up having to get these huge effing boxes and cutting them to be a size so that the things weren't shaking all around. Oh my God, I'm pretty sure Paige wanted to kill me at that point. But I didn't know you had to cut the boxes. Oh yeah, had to cut them so that they fit better. It, it was a whole thing. I, I honestly think I spent a week doing that. So please learn from me. Don't do that to yourself. The extra however many dollars per person to have someone else do it for you is totally worth it. Because if you think about your hourly rate and the amount of time that goes into those boxes, your company would probably be willing to pay for someone else to do it too if you're going to spend a week doing it. Oh my gosh, for sure. Your time is more valuable than that. I found a million companies that do this. If you just Google custom curated gift boxes or corporate gifting There are a ton of options. I think they tend to be at the pricier side, so you might have to do a little more Googling if you're budget conscious, but there's some really cool ones out there that I'd suggest. And I will give a shout out to the company that helped us put together some of our boxes, and they're actually going to be helping us with another one here in the next couple of weeks, is Woodward Movement. They are a company based in Metro Detroit near us and they will help you find the items and curate the items and then also package them for you and get everything out the door and ship them. So we'll give a shout out to them that they are an option if you're not looking for like a fully custom curated box that somebody does for you and you want to pick out some items and customize them or do whatever. Yes. So I love Woodward Movement. And also because it's 2020, And Amazon is making all the money in the world. And I'm guilty of being an Amazon person. Support your small businesses. There are a bunch of companies on Etsy that do this as well that would love to have your business. So think about them before you go to Amazon. I need to do that too. So we can do it together. (laughs) I do believe there was one, Sarah, that you've worked with called Marigold and Gray. That was a good one. I could be, I feel like that one stands out in my memory for some reason. I Googled that one. There was a good one on Etsy and I can't remember their name right now, but we got these really cute relaxation boxes from them for a few vendors that had this eye pillow, something you can microwave and it was filled with lavender. And I think it came with a candle and maybe a cookie or a succulent. Again, I'm very good at girl gifts, women. I don't know the generic stereotypical things I'd like but I feel like that's the next point where it's like create an experience and I feel like that box is really good because it kind of touched on all the senses so it had something that you could touch like the the beanie pillowcase felt cool when you touched it because all the things inside of it moved and you could smell the candle smelled really good and then you could taste the cookie so just think about how you can create an experience it doesn't have to be crazy this box cost us probably like maybe 20 or $30. So obviously, depending on your budget, that can be a lot or not a lot. But I feel like it added something like a surprise and delight. It had a cute little card in it. It was packaged nicely. And 
those are the things that I feel like people remember. I agree. Like when you open the box and you feel excited about it because you're like, ooh, it's a cool box or it has cool paper and all these, and you start getting excited about it, like creating that type of experience and excitement is what makes a good gift. And we have also done some things where instead of doing a gift, we actually did like an on-site experience. So we've done this before at trade shows that we've talked about, but we've also done it as like a client gift when we go live after we've implemented a solution or something for a client and it's like a big go live shebang kind of thing. We've actually hired a custom coffee bar, like a barista to go to their offices in their local location to do lattes and cappuccinos and all sorts of like custom drinks for them. You could also do something like chair or foot massages. Have we, we've talked about pages, pages situation with like the chair massage, haven't we? No. Oh, that'll be for a later episode. I think I think we're recording a drunken marketing with it this weekend. weekend. I'm quite excited for how good that one's going to be. I can't wait for people to hear that story. So don't be afraid to take something on site. Obviously, once COVID is over, it's not a great option right now. But you can always think about how do you create a actual in-person experience as a gift versus sending tangible goods. So I think that leads us into our key takeaways to just kind of recap the things that we hope you got out of this conversation so that you can take your client gifting hopefully to the next level or just learn some of the lessons by listening to this versus going through them because we've learned some things the hard way, obviously. First and foremost, don't forget to identify your budget because Like Kelly said, you don't want to walk in and pick something that you fall in love with and then realize that it doesn't fit into your budget. You want to be working with your budget from the very beginning. Then next, make sure you know your audience, demographic, likes and dislikes. Very important. And then put yourself in their shoes. Is this something that you would find useful or is it something that you're going to want as a gift yourself? Keep it simple. You want to be able to pull off the gift well and not have to cut corners or mess up who receives what. Um, You don't want Sally to receive Jim's gift. It would be awkward. You also (laughs) don't want a pack of gum identifying. (laughs) You don't want that. Please don't do that. You put way too much effort into your gift in order for that to be your card. And I'm doing quotation marks for card. That's hilarious. Number five, make sure you find a way to outsource the task if possible. Like we mentioned, there's plenty of companies out there who can help you make your gifts happen and come together and be a delightful experience or surprise. And think about what your time is worth because if you can pay somebody to do it in the time that it would take you or save time, then it's probably worth looking into. And last but not least, make it an experience. Thank you for joining us. And now get your client gifting going on. Thanks for listening to the Wine and Whiteboards podcast. For show notes, links, templates, and other resources, visit our Instagram page at Wine and Whiteboards podcast. And while you're there, follow us to get more hacks and occasional wine themed humor. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would take a minute to leave a review. And don't forget to subscribe so you can continue listening to our marketing tips and design tips. Cheers! Cheers.